James chapter 1, verse 9. Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted, but the rich in that he is made low, because as the flower of the grass he shall pass away. For the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withereth the grass, and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth, so also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say, when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. So the title of the message tonight is, Blessed are those who endure. Blessed are those who endure. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for the privilege and opportunity we have to open your precious word. Thank you for the testimonies of your people and of your goodness in the land of the living. And Lord, we praise you for how you have blessed us as individuals and as a church and how you provide for our needs. And we pray, Father, that you help us just to be faithful and good stewards of the manifold grace of God to give out the gospel to those we meet and come in contact with who have not heard or who are without Christ. And, Father, to use the things that you have given to us uh, as to further the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Father, we pray tonight as we look into your word that you would encourage us and challenge us. And as we examine this subject of endurance, I pray that you would speak to our hearts and have your will and way, and may you be glorified. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Every person will. Now let me repeat those three words. Every person will have trials and temptations in life. It's not a maybe. It's not an if. It is a will. Every person will have trials and temptation in life. You know, Job 5, 7 says, Yet man is born unto trouble as the sparks fly upward. And, of course, the reason is for this is the curse of sin. Since the curse of sin has come into the world, man is going, goes through trials and tests and calamities and hardships and things of unfairness and... And you could just go on and on and on. Catastrophes, it's all because of the curse of sin. It wasn't God's choice. It was man's. The problem is that many lash out or blame God by acting in anger or bitterness or hatred and many times against God or against those by whom the trial may come. It is in reality in pride, setting themselves up as the judge of those who have not met their expectations. It's not the trial that determines the outcome. It's the heart of the one being tried. People say, the same sun that softens butter hardens clay. And what they mean by that is, the same circumstances can soften one person and harden another. Can cause one to soften and humble themselves before God and may cause another through the very same circumstances to harden their hearts against God. It all goes back to the heart. 
And in this passage of Scripture, I believe, the Bible talks about those who endure, and it says that they're blessed. Now, you have to understand what that word endure means. To endure means to bear bravely, calmly, absolutely, you know, enduring ill treatment. So it has the idea of bearing it. And, and we all come, we all will face, if you haven't, just hang on and it will come, but we all face trials and temptations and you know, temptations to sin. And, 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 and let me say this, in every temptation or every trial that God allows, that doesn't mean it's from God. God could keep us from all the trials and temptations we face. But if he did, we would never serve him. <laughs> That's just the way man is. But, you know, in everything that, that, that comes into our life, there is a temptation to either sin against God or respond in the right way. And I believe that's what this passage is about. You know, and he talks about the trial, first of all, the trial of poverty or riches. That's a trial. Either one can be a trial. If you notice in verse 9 it says, Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted. Now, as we think about the, the trial of poverty, and this has, again goes back to the acceptance of our state, the word low degree means, it refers to as to condition, lowly. For example, you remember when uh, Mary, after she had conceived of the Holy Ghost, said this in Luke one fifty two. He has put down the mighty from their seats, speaking of those highly exalted, and exalted them of low degree, referring to herself as one of low degree. Uh, and she also said this in verse 48, For he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. You Mary was from Nazareth. And you know what Nathaniel said about Nazareth? Can any good thing come out of there? <laughs> so she was considered of the low class in society. You know, it's a little hard for us Americans to really comprehend this class thing. Um, I was talking to Brother Pratt a little bit uh, the other day while he was here, and, and he said, you know, in India there's no middle class. It's rich, extremely rich, and then you have the extremely poor. That's basically what you have. He said, you can have a man that's so rich, he, he, his house is the whole apartment building, all 16 floors. And he may even have an elevator for his car in that building. He drives into it, and it lifts the car and everything up to whatever floor he wants to go to. And out in the street, there may be people living in cardboard boxes, See, you have the extreme rich, and you have the poor. No middle class. You know, let's go to the way it was in Bible times. You had people like Mary and Joseph who were of the low class. They, they, were, the, they were considered the low, them of low degree. And then you had those who were rich. And, and of course, you know, people, people have this idea that, you know, the Bible says that, uh, speaks about the, the poor in spirit. Well, that's not referring to the, those that have no money. It's talking about those who are of humility. 
But here we're talking about of low degree, of low estate, or of low class, you know, and because it, it says that we ought to rejoice in that he is exalted. Uh, but, you know, and poverty has its own trials and tendency is, in our modern world, the tendency is to blame or censure the haves by the have-nots. You know what? You know what the world wants to do. You know what the left wants to do. What communism wants to do. They want to have the redistribution of wealth. Obama talked about the redistribution of wealth. You know, so we need to take from the rich and give it to the poor so that we have equality. And, of course, that's how communism takes over countries. They get people believing that the reason you're poverty, that you're poor, is because you've the rich have taken it from you. It's not a lack of knowledge or personal responsibility or laziness or anything like that. It can't be that. You know, it's just the rich have taken it from you. You know, the funny thing is that, uh, that really amuses me about this whole idea is that many times the people that promote this are often people of power and wealth. But the Bible doesn't say anything about that. In fact, Jesus said in Luke 12, 13 through 15, that, you know, there was one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesseth. And so what Jesus is saying in this is, Look, your, your problem isn't that you don't, your brother isn't dividing. Your problem is you're covetous. And so, you know, we are, you know, if we are of low degree, we can rejoice in that the Lord has, has uh, 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 raised us up and given us a position in Christ. But we ought to rejoice in what, and accept what God has given us, whether we are rich or poor. And not be envious of the rich. You know, I heard one person say one time, I'm thankful for the rich. They give me a job. (laughs) And there's a lot of truth in that. A lot of truth in that. So, uh, then we also notice the snare of riches. If you notice in verse 10, but the rich in that he is made low. So, we're talking about rejoicing in, in what we have or acceptance of our state being of low degree or being rich, and he says the rich ought to rejoice in that he is made low. Now, to me, that's an interesting statement, made low. So God has to, if you are rich, God's going to make you low. How, how, you know, I thought about that for a minute, or make you of low degree. And, 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 and really, as we think about this, you know, Jesus said in Luke 18, 25, it's easier for a camel to go through a needle's eye than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven kingdom of God. Now, he said that in the context, he said that right after the rich young ruler went away from him. And the rich young ruler went away from Jesus because he wasn't willing to turn away from his riches and turn to the Lord. You know, Jesus said, you know, he talked about the commandments, and he said, you know, obey your father and mother, and, and so on and so on. He said, all, all these have I kept from my youth up. And he said, one thing thou lackest. 
go sell all that thou hast, give it to the poor, and come follow me. Basically what Jesus was saying was the last commandment, thou shalt not covet. This man was covetous. He was an idolater. He was worshiping. The money, his money had become his God and he was not willing to be made low to be made rich in Christ. He wasn't willing to let go of his money and let God, really wasn't willing to let God control his money. You see, he wouldn't be brought to the place to understand that his riches would perish. That they were not eternal, they're only temporary. They're just like the grass of the field that will fade away. Now this is not a sermon against riches. The problem wasn't that he had riches. The problem was that's what controlled his life. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 22 through 25, Peter speaks of this when he says, Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, 1 Peter 1, 22 and 20 through 25, through the spirit and unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. So your riches are going to fade away like the grass of the field. And if you, if you trust in your riches, you also are going to fade away. If you notice what it says here in verse 11. First, the sun is so sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withereth the grass, and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth so also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. The, the uh, uh, fade away means to come to, come to a, 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 uh, an un, a miserable end. Uh, it means to perish. And the, and the snare of riches is this. You know, Isaiah 26.10 says this, Let favor be showed to the wicked, yet will he not learn righteousness in the land of the upright? Will he deal unjustly and will not behold the majesty of the Lord? So favor, let favor be showed to the wicked. The idea here is, if you bend or stoop over to make it easy for someone, so they don't have to take personal responsibility, they will not learn righteousness. That's what he's saying. That when it, the, the word there, favor be showed, that's the idea of to bend over or stoop to help or to aid or give, give a, a preferred status to and help. So it's, it's sort of like, you know, there's some parents that continually bail their children out and their children never have to learn personal responsibility or take account take take responsibility for their actions like the guy that was 40 some years old still living in his parents basement up in what was it Massachusetts and he got upset because and he he wouldn't pay rent 
And he was upset because his parents finally had him evicted. What were they doing? They were paying that boy's way through life. They were bending over and stooping to show favor to him. And he never learned that it's right to take care of your own responsibilities. That's the meaning of that verse. He will never learn righteousness. They will not learn righteousness in the land of the upright. You know, this idea that we're going to give money to Iran and they're going to be favorable to us, that's a joke. All we're doing is enabling our enemies to increase their, their effectiveness against us. And so that's, that's the snare of riches. And, and, and he says here that, that we have to be made low. We ought to rejoice that we are made low. You know, when, when we come to Christ, we all come the same way. We're all in need. And it's hard for a rich man to think that, you know what, I'm in need. That was the problem at the church of Laodicea. They were increased with goods and had need of nothing. And so, so those are the trials of poverty and riches. But I want you to notice also the reward of those who endure. In verse 12, it says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. And again, that word endure means to, endure, to, to bear bravely or calmly and absolutely ill treatment. You know, Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 20, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 20, he says, For what glory is it if when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye take it patiently? But if when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. You know, if you, if you are buffeted for doing wrong, you know, and, and you bear it patiently, so what? That's what you brought on yourself. But if when you do well and you're buffeted for it or you're ill-treated and then you bear it patiently, God says that's acceptable to him. In other words, that's what pleases him. Because that, that, that makes you stand out as different from the world. Because that's not human nature. It's not easy to do. Excuse me. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 10, Paul said, Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake. Now, and it says, he goes on and says, That they also may obtain salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So he said, I endure all things. Now what were some of the things that Paul endured? And, and when he's talking about the elect's sake, He's talking about the Jews. So this elect, they were the ones who stirred up the riots at Thessalonica and Berea. They were the ones that infiltrated the churches, teaching you must be circumcised to be saved. They were the ones that went about to kill him in Acts chapter 21. And he said, I endure all things. I endure the ill treatment that they might be saved. In Romans chapter 9, verses 1 through 3, speaking about that same people who ill-treated him and, and, and you know, 
brought all these things upon him, the suffering that he endured, speaking about these people in, in Romans 9, 1 through 3, he says, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bear me witness in the Holy Ghost, that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were cursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Who are Israelites, to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the services of God and the promises? Whose are the fathers and of whom, as concerning the flesh, Christ came, who is over all, God blessed forever. Amen. You see, Paul, the Apostle Paul, had learned to endure temptations. He had learned to endure this ill treatment that he continually got from these people, and he learned to to love them as Christ loved them. You know, Luke chapter 6 and verse 2, I think it's actually supposed to be 23. Luke chapter 6 and Um, verse 22 blessed are ye when men shall hate you and when they shall separate you from their company and shall reproach you and cast you out your, out your name as evil for the son of man's sake rejoice ye in that day and leap for joy for behold your reward is great in heaven for in the like manner did their fathers unto the prophets but woe unto you that are rich for ye have received your consolation Woe unto you that are full, for ye shall hunger. Woe unto you that laugh now, for ye shall mourn and weep. Woe unto you that when all men shall speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. But I say unto you which hear, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you, bless them that curse you, pray for them which despitefully use you. And unto him that smiteth thee on one cheek, offer the other also the other. And him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take thy coat. And give to every man that asketh of thee, and, ask, and of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. As you would that men should do to you, do ye also likewise, to them likewise. For if you love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. And if you do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. And if you lend to them of whom you hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love ye your enemies, and do good, and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. You know, many times, trials come to us through other people. But we're to endure them. God says we're to endure them. And we're to love those that mistreat us. Just like Jesus did. Luke or Hebrews twelve two says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finish of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Despising the shame, set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So blessed Blessed of those that endure. And the reward of those that endure, so we are to endure, and he says there's a blessing to those that endure. Verse 12 says, Blessed is a man that endureth temptation. The word blessed means 
happy, uh, supremely blessed, by extension, fortunate, well off. Now, not all God's blessings are material possessions. In fact, they may not have anything to do with it. You know, there's not, again, nothing wrong with having possessions, but, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're blessed of God. Uh, but blessed or happy, and the idea, I believe, is, is, is uh, well off, and, and I think there's a, there's a state of mind here we're talking about, uh, and, and we'll see that in a minute. But he said also here that when, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. So he's blessed with a crown of life. The, word, the crown of life speaks of the eternal blessedness which will be given as a prize to genuine servants of God and of Christ. It speaks of confidence, assurance, peace that passeth all understanding. You know, Paul and Peter, when they wrote their letters, their last letters, uh, Paul wrote 2 Timothy, it was the last letter that he wrote, Peter wrote 2 Peter. Both were facing death, martyrdom. Neither was despondent, discouraged, or defeated. Neither one. They weren't angry or bitter about their unfair treatment. And their treatment was unfair that they had endured. They endured it like Jesus did. You know, the world was not a friendly place to children of God. Jesus told us, they're going to be offended at you. They hated me, they're going to hate you. And so we're going to face these trials, and just as Job faced them, and and chapter 5 talks about the patience of Job, you know, Job endured his trials, and and he came out blessed, supremely blessed, because he endured. He is blessed. He is exalted as one that we should look to as an example to us. He's highly exalted, you might say. He has received the crown of life as a genuine servant of the Lord. It also, I believe, speaks of, of enduring our trial, speaks of being at peace with God. Verses 13 through 15 says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. I believe part of the reward of... of uh, of enduring temptation is peace, being at peace with God. And here's, here's the thing I want to, want to try to point out here. You know, many times when we go through trials and disappointments from other people, we become angry, bitter, resentful, malicious, and, and you know, that's, that's often things, feelings we have. And these are not just feelings against other people. The Bible tells us they're sins against God. They are choices of how you and I respond. And the reality is, it is not, it really, what it is, is not accepting what God has allowed in your life. You 
You know, Esau got very angry and became a bitter man because God chose Jacob over him. That was God's sovereign choice. But it was also Esau's choice to become a better man. The brothers of Joseph hated him and envied him and were malicious and vengeful against him because he was favored by his father. Of course, you know, not saying anything about his walk with the Lord, which is rather obvious if you study his life, and theirs was not good. But instead of accepting a right standard with the Lord, they took it out on him and, and of course, sold him into Egypt. But Joseph, again, chose not to return the favor. I say that favor tongue-in-cheek because it wasn't any favor. You know, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, introduced Peter to Jesus. And yet, Andrew was passed over when the pastor was chosen and Jesus left. But you know what? That was okay with Andrew. You see, it's often because our expectations are not met, we feel justified in being bitter and angry against someone who is also made in the image of God and for whom Christ died. You see, Esau's expectations were not met. And his anger and resentment against Jacob defiled himself. It didn't hurt Jacob, it defiled himself and his relationship with God. And what we, what we really do then is become, we become our own God and we sin against God and we blame God for allowing these things in our life and, and we become our own God and we hold these people accountable to us. You know, I referred to Paul a little earlier. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul talks about all the terrible things that happened to him during his ministry. And most of it came by way of the Jews. Much of it did. Not all of it, but much of it did. And of course, it was the Jews, he said, I would... I have a great burden for. But in chapter 12 then, he says this in verse 1, It's not expedient for me to doubtless to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell, whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth. Such a one caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth. How at that, that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. You know, of course, he's referring to himself. He was the man that had a vision. He was caught up. Some think that, you remember when he went to, I think it was Lystra, 
and he was stoned and left for dead. Some people think that he actually died and had, a, had at least a scene or a little moment in heaven and saw a glimpse of heaven, but God gave him his life back. Um, you know, the Bible's not clear about all that happens, but, but it, he does say here he knew a man, and he doesn't say that it's himself, but it's, I believe it's obviously him, that he was caught up to the third heaven. That's the abode of God. And he heard these things. He heard things and saw things. But anyway, but he says this, verse 5, Of such a one will I glory, yet, not, yet of myself I will not glory. In other words, I'll glory of what I saw, but, uh, the one I saw, but not myself, but in mine infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool, for I will, not, I will say the truth. But now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. And lest I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, while I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches and necessities, in persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. So Paul tells us about all these terrible things that happened to him. And he says, And then I've got this thorn in the flesh. But you said, you know what it did for me? It kept me trusting in the strength of the Lord and not trusting in my own strength. Now, if I understand anything from the Bible about Paul, I would say he was a very strong-willed person, a very determined person, persistent in what he thought was the right thing to do. And you know, people like that you're sort of like me, they tend to trust in themselves. Oh, I'll just get it done. You know, we often say at our house, if there's a will, there's a way. We'll just make it a way. You know, but you know, in the work of the Lord, it's not if there's a will, there's a way. Our strength is in the Lord. And this is what kept Paul. Paul come to realize that these trials, these temptations, these calamities that happened to him, God allowed to keep him dependent on the Lord. And there was no man at that time who had more knowledge of the Scriptures, the Old Testament Scriptures, understanding the Old Testament Scriptures, than he did. And he could have boasted about that. But again, he said... I got this thorn in the flesh. Now, we don't, again, know for certain, but it appears from the scriptures that he had an eye problem. Galatians, in the letters to Galatians, said you would have plucked out your own eyes and given to me. So I think it's kind of obvious that he had an eye problem. Some believe there was, there was some kind of disease. In fact, it's, it's, it's mentioned here, and if you have a Schofield, happen to have a Schofield Bible, it talks about what that may be. And, and it's some chronic ophthalmia. And it induces bodily weakness and makes one repulsive in appearance. Historians say Paul was little and ugly. 
So, who would want to make a hero out of somebody that's little and ugly? But yet, and, and God, see, God allowed these things in his life to keep him dependent on the Lord. And so, you know, and yet, and, and, and so Paul endured these temptations. He didn't blame God or, or in some way allow these temptations to lead him into sin, to stumble and fall. So we have to understand that trials and temptations that come in life, the origin is not God. God may allow them. But the reason that we face them in life is because of the curse of sin. But God allows them in our life to work in us, to keep us in dependence upon Him and to demonstrate as a witness and testimony to the, to the world that God's power is able to give us victory in times of trial and tests. You know, one of the things that Job's endurance did was silence the devil. Because on both occasions, the devil, when he appeared before the Lord, said, yeah, well, you let me touch his body and he'll curse you to your face. You let me touch him and he'll curse you to the face. But after he was all done, destroying everything Job had and taking away his health and everything but his life, and Job still wouldn't curse God to his faith, the devil couldn't say that anymore. And see, when you and I respond in a right way to trials and temptations, the world takes notice. The world takes notice. Look at First Peter chapter two. First Peter chapter two. <clears throat> In verse nine, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a, pure, a peculiar people. That word peculiar has an idea of a purchased possession. Uh, you're special, that ye should show forth a praise to him who called you out of darkness into this marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they shall behold Glorify God in the day of visitation. So that they, when they see your good works in spite of what's done to you or has happened to you, when the day of visitation knocks on their door, and the day of visitation refers to a time of judgment, a time of God's judgment or some calamity that's going to happen in their life, and they're going to realize... Um, 
what's going to happen to me? They can look to you and I as hope. Because they have seen how we endure temptations. So blessed. God, God has the ability, the wisdom, and of course, you know, in the context of all this passage, you know, he's talking about having the wisdom to endure all these things in verse 5. Uh, God can give us the wisdom and the grace to endure the temptation, the trials that come in our life that our ways might please the Lord and that we might respond and have the blessing of God and be at peace with him through the trials and tests of life and not become bitter, resentful, or malicious against those around us or those we're trying to reach. So, blessed is the man that endureth. We are to endure. We live in a world that's hostile to us. Not a lover of Bible-believing Christianity. But God has given us the means, the wherewithal, that we can endure those trials and temptations. It's simply accepting the things that God has brought into our life, accepting what he has given us, what he has allowed, and looking to him for the grace to endure them.